The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? You good? I'm good, man. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to see you. I'm Pastor Matt. If, I don't, if this is your first time and I haven't got to meet you, I'm going to be in the lobby right after this service. I'd love to meet you, shake your hand, say thank you for being here. Uh, like Ryan said, uh, Pastor Ryan, if, there, if you would fill out one of those Connect cards, drop that in the giving stations on your way out. We would, we're going to stalk you this week. We decided we're going to start that this week. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, we're, we're not going to do anything weird with that, like he said, and he's right. You can trust him. He's honest and trustworthy. Um, but you can drop it in the giving station on your way out. Um, and that giving station, we also, that's where we put, put our tithes and offerings. Um, here at the creek, we don't pass a plate. Um, when we launched the church, I just believe, you know, God, you're sovereign. You're going you're gonna to do what you want to do in this. And so we want to be faithful and obedient with that. And uh, so we did the giving stations. And so you can put that in on your way out. And then some of you like to text to give. I like that. I do mine online, so however you choose to do it, thank you for being generous and, and faithful with that. Um, I want to also thank all of our group leaders and ministry leaders. This last, last week was awesome. Um, it was crazy in this room after services. I mean, tables lining up and people getting connected. Y'all are going to tables like, we want to join your group. And it was so awesome to watch happen because if... Uh, if you think that connection here at the creek is you staring at this every Sunday, I'm sorry. Uh, you're missing out. You are way missing out. Um, so there's a lot more uh, better things, prettier things, nicer things uh, to connect with in this, this mug every week. Uh, but thank you for that. Um, if you got your Bible, just go to Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, we have some on the back tables. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, then write your name in it. That's our gift to you. Or if you've got a smartphone, smart tablet, dumb tablet, I don't think will work, but a smart tablet is what you need. Um, anything with web access, you can uh, find us on a free app called Uversion and, and follow along that way. Um, so Romans 12, we've been going through verse by verse the book of Romans, and uh, we finally hit chapter 12 last week, and that's where Paul starts the applicational part of this letter. This Romans, this book that is in our Bible is a letter written to the first century Christians in Rome, and he spends 11 chapters talking about some doctrine and theology and what it means to, to live as a Christian, to, mean, to live a Christian life, and then finally in chapter 12, he hits the applicational side. So from now to the end of the book, we're really going to deal with a lot of application of what Paul has been teaching us in the first 11 chapters. And he does that. In the letters that Paul writes to the churches, he'll spend the first parts giving some doctrine and theology and creating a foundation. And then he says, now in light of that, here's how I want you to live. Here's what the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has given Paul to write these letters so that we as Christ followers can live lives that reflect his righteousness and his glory. And that's what we're called to do. And so chapter 12 started out with this idea of in light of everything I have told you, live your lives as sacrifices unto God. So the life we live, we live sacrificially for the glory of God. So everything we do, our living, our breathing, our going to work, going to school, going through the neighborhood, everything we do, the mundane things we do are still to be lived for the glory of God. Whether you're, you're Shopping or sitting in traffic, and I know that's a tough one for many of us in this room. I think we need to start a traffic support group. Um, yeah, we'll just get into that some other time. 
But what is interesting about this is God enables us to be living sacrifices. God gives us everything we need to live our lives as sacrifices for him. And then what's incredible is we have a good, good God. We have a perfect father who knows how to give good gifts. I mean, we just did a remembrance of the greatest gift the world has ever received and will ever receive, and it came through Jesus on a cross and his resurrection. And he gives gifts to every one of his kids. See, here's, here's how it happens. Um, when we get saved, and you, you may, depending on how you grew up or where you grew up, uh, you may hear it as born again, uh, becoming a Christian, transformation, regeneration, getting saved, it, whatever those terms is, here's what happens. When we put ourselves at the foot of the cross and we say, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Here is my life. Be my Lord and Savior. And we truly give ourselves to him and say, here's the broken mess of my life. And we submit everything to him. And then he saves us. It is his blood that saves us. And his resurrection power that then brings new life into ours. And so from the inside, we become a new creation. We become sons and daughters of God. And we become family. And we become heirs with Christ. And we're brought into the church. It doesn't mean the creek. We're talking the church. The church is the body of Christ. And then he starts to go further and to tell us that God gives his kids gifts for the purpose of building up the body. And then most of the references to the church in the New Testament refer to local bodies. We are a local body. I meet with pastors every week. They are expressions of the local body, and we gather, and, and we, we're different denominations, we're different backgrounds, we're different educations, but here's what we come together as. We are the body. And they, there are gifts given to build up the body. And there are gifts that God has given us at the creek for the purposes of building up this local body, which ultimately builds up the church, builds up the body of Christ. And then my pastor friends in our community, I mean, they, they have been given gifts and their church has gifts for the purpose of building up their church, which ultimately is to build up the kingdom of God. Now, let me say this, because people ask this often about gifts, grace gift. They, I get the question, are you charismatic? Now, if you don't know me too well, I'm going to let you get, you're going to get inside my mind a little bit, because one of my gifts, I, don't, I can't claim it's a spiritual gift, but it's a gift. It's sarcasm and cynicism. And I used to say it was a spiritual gift, but God convicted me on that. He goes, I'm not going to give that to you. You know, and I'm asking them for him to take it away, but I'm still, we're still wrestling on this. But every time we send out a mailer as a church, our web activity goes up and our email, because on our website, we have a contact us. And, and that email goes to a team of people. And every time we do a mailer, here's the question I get. Just a simple question. Are you charismatic? And depending on what kind of mood I'm in, is how I'm going to answer that. But ultimately, here's what I have to say. We are, yes, because charismatic means grace, 
charismata is grace gifts. And let me tell you something. I am not gifted enough to do what God's called me to do. I need his grace as a gift in my life. And I need the Holy Spirit working in this and through this to be able to do what he's called me to do. And so when people ask, are you charismatic? Um, I, I, I have to give that, ultimately give that explanation. But it depends on where they're coming from as to how we have this dialogue. See, it's hard for me to engage in the dialogue with just a question. Because here, here's the thing about our community that I know. That there are those that are, that are asking that question because they've seen abuses of power and abuses of spiritual gifts in their local body. And they're saying, I'm looking for another local body to connect with, but is it going to be crazy when I show up? I grew up Pentecostal. I've seen it. <laughs> then I, then I, then, <laughs> amen, amen. Then I. Okay, then I went over to the Baptist church because the girls were prettier, but also it was, y'all are laughing at me, but don't be judging me. Every man in this room, if you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. So just, uh-uh, don't judge me. But it was also much more calm, okay? So I get people asking, are you charismatic? And they're asking, Am I, is it going to be crazy when I show up or is it going to be, you know, here's this an outbreak of the Holy Spirit in the Baptist church I grew up in would be like this. I call that, that's the deacon rock, okay? The deacons be in the back, and, you know, we'd be playing all victory in Jesus, and, you know, the piano would just be, bah, 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 and the deacon would be like, mm, mm. <laughs> and revival starts to break out. The hand goes in the pocket, mm, and you hear the keys jingling. You're like, whoo, somebody's playing a tambourine, you know? <laughs> anyway, and they're like, so there's different perspectives on this idea of grace gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works. But let me tell you what saddens me is the Holy Spirit was given to unify the body and the enemy has used gifts to divide the bodies of Christ, to take local bodies and put them at enmity with one another and they're not serving the same things. We are all one body. We are brought together by one blood. There is one spirit. There is one baptism and we as the church has got to stop stop playing our separate areas of the sandbox and get together and say, let's be the body. And we all have gifts and we've got gifts and you've got gifts and let's bring these gifts together and let's see lives change. Let's see things happen. Let's see communities change. And when we start to recognize this, we start to realize, yes, there are gifts that are given. And we, we don't look at the polarity of extremes and say, I don't want to get on either one of those. I believe God's in the middle. And yes, those gifts have to be active today. Now, let me tell you something. Anytime the Holy Spirit moves on a believer and a gift is used, the end result is the person and work of Jesus Christ are made clear to an unbelieving world. So if you want to filter that, however your background of church is and denominational background, I'm a denominational mutt. And I, I'm fine with that. And I, I hope you're fine with that too. Somebody, wait, you don't have that uh, pedigree? No, I don't. I don't have papers or anything like that. I'm not AKC registered or anything. I'm sorry. So, but when we get to this point, if we're going to filter this, when the Holy Spirit moves, Jesus better be made clear. Not to make ourselves look good, not to put ourselves in any kind of spotlight, or not to, to throw ourselves out in front of a church body and going. By me using this gift, I have just shown you that I'm more spiritual than you. Our gifts are not a sign of maturity, and they better not be used that way. 
Spiritual gifts are tools to build with. They're not toys to play with, and they're not weapons to fight with. And when we realize that and they're in their rightful place and they're used rightly, we start to see the kingdom of God grow. We start to see the kingdom being built. We start to use these gifts in the proper way and they're given for a specific purpose. That's to build the kingdom, to build the believer, to build the body, to build the church. And the way that happens is when Jesus saves lives. So the Holy Spirit has that goal in mind. So whatever the gift, he says there's somebody that needs to have Jesus made clear to them, and he uses us to do it. How beautiful. But Paul's going to give us some essentials here on dealing with these gifts. Let me read to you. Start in verse 3. Paul writes, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Okay, let's start break this down because Paul's going to, he's given us some essentials that we've got to, we've got to work with in correctly handling gifts for the ministry. And, and to, to take a step back, when we look at this, you know, Paul starts to, he's creating a linear application here that he starts out with offer yourselves as living sacrifices. That's our spiritual act of worship. So what, what he's getting at, we talked about a lot about devotion last week. And what he's getting at is personal dedication is required to strengthen our gift. It's to develop it. I've got to be devoted to my gift. I've got to be devoted to honing in the gift that God's given me. You see, there's an anointing that comes with that gift. We got into this conversation this past week, and uh, it was very spirited, but it was, does God take away his gifts? Because we just read in Romans 11 when he was talking about the nation of Israel that his calling and his gifts are irrevocable. So when God gives a gift and we don't use it, does he take it away? I believe the spiritual and scriptural answer to that is no, what gets removed is the anointing. See, you have a gift. I have a gift. We have a gift. And it takes personal dedication to refine and hone and strengthen and develop that gift. And if we're unwilling to do it, God says, I'm going to remove the anointing and I'm going to put that anointing on someone else with that gift because I'm building the kingdom. And it takes dedication to do that. Every person on this platform that plays an instrument and sings, they put time into their talent. I mean, how many of you took piano lessons as a kid? Yeah, was the deal, okay, when you come home from school, you've got to practice before you can watch cartoons? I don't know. Let me just show you some of the dedication that it takes. I've never taken a piano lesson in my life, fully self-taught, but it takes dedication. You ready? Are we on? Yes, isn't that beautiful? Every person started with this, right? The... Remember that? Okay, so then you got to progress, and then you start playing. 
lot of work to do that. You know, I practiced a lot to do that for you. And it takes great dedication to hone in a gift of that magnitude. That every day you would walk in from school hoping to watch cartoons. And your mother, you've got to practice before you can watch cartoons. If I had a piano like this, it'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Every kid would take piano lessons and go, you're welcome. It's a gift. You want something classical? play classical for you. I can even get crazy classical. Yeah. It's a talent, right? But it takes dedication. I've never, I can't play the piano. All I got to do is figure out which button to push. And it's so fun because I was fooling a lot of people this week. I was up here messing with it and they're like, I didn't know Pastor Matt could play. I was like, I work hard at this. They're playing with one foot. They're just like, you're a prodigy. <laughs> but ultimately, with a gift, see, we can start getting prideful about it because I could be like, yeah, I'm good at that, and you're not. It's because I was willing to put in the time. I figured out which button to push. But it takes devotion. And, and, and here's a thought I had when I was just goofing around with that this week was, what if my mom really thought I could play that? Like if she made me do that and I had that piano and I, I was doing that and then she's like, I have a musical genius. And then I have to do a concert at the Bass Hall and they call me and like, which kind of piano would you like to play for your, your piano concert? Would you like a Steinway? Would you like, no, I need mine. <laughs> I only play mine. Eventually that's going to get found out. Because I've put nothing into it. It's the whole principle is you reap what you sow. I put no dedication into learning the piano. I will sow nothing from the piano. God gives you a gift and he says, put your dedication in to developing that gift I've given you so that as you reap that dedication, then righteousness is sown. And really what's beautiful is what gets sown, uh, reaped is changed lives. Because our gifts are for building up the kingdom. And Paul gives us a warning here. He says, don't think highly of yourselves than you are. So we've got to get to a point where we have to have honest evaluation about us and in the light of God's truth and his grace about where we really are. Okay, because if I'm going to be honest, I, I can't play. I don't have a gift of playing the piano. And so I've got to evaluate, okay, if I do have a gift, I've done nothing to grow in that. And so Paul says, you've got to think with sober judgment. I mean, this is nothing clouding us. And when I say nothing clouding us, let me, let me help you with this. This, this, this whole idea of, of, of humility and living humbly before God is that we can't think too highly of ourselves, but we can't think too lowly of ourselves either because the enemy's going to try to get you into one or the other, into either pride or into despair. So he's going to try to tell you, you're good at that gift. You've got the best gift of all. You're the best person in the church. Everybody in the church should come to you to figure out how to hone their gift. Every person in the church should look up to you because you're more holy than there. And the enemy's just going to keep puffing you up and puffing you up and puffing you up, build you up, build you up until eventually you're going to explode. 
or he's going to beat you down and say, you don't have a gift. You're, gift, you're, just so, you're not even worthy of a gift. You're not worthy of a savior. You're not worthy to have your sins forgiven because look how messed up you are. You're not worthy of anything. You're not one of God's kids because you got nothing. And so then you start thinking too low of yourself. What did Jesus say in the greatest commandment? To love God with everything we've got and to love our neighbor as who? Ourself. Because God knows we've got to have a healthy self-image. We've got to have an honest self-image that's a reflection of his grace and the faith in our life. I teach my staff this principle. It's, in, it's called emotional intelligence, EQ. Now, you have people that have an IQ, and they're very smart. That determines your, your, your aptitude academically. But there's also an EQ called your emotional quotient in how you interact with other people, how you interact in the organizations in which you work and which you do life in. And one of those elements of emotional intelligence is self-awareness, being able to accurately evaluate who I am and where I'm at in light of everything going on. Am I, am I aware of how people see me? Am I aware of how I am portraying myself to the world around me? This is a scriptural, biblical principle. When Paul says, don't think too highly of yourselves. Have an accurate, sober judgment of who you are. But who you are has to be who you are as you are reflected in Christ. Because in Christ, you're his righteousness. So don't let the enemy tell you that you're nothing. And in Christ, we walk humbly before our God. So we're in our rightful place. And that's to worship him and to put him where he belongs. And that's on the throne. And then, then we're called to walk in humility towards other people. See, God doesn't give us a spiritual gift because we've reached a level of maturity. Guys, this isn't like our first pocket knife, you know, where, where eventually my dad feels like I'm responsible enough to carry my first pocket knife. That you're mature enough to handle this. Our gifts are not a sign of maturity. Our gifts are because God loves us and has a purpose in building his kingdom. And we can't get into the church and go, well, because I have this gift, I'm more spiritually mature than you. Let me tell you what's fixing to happen. That's not humility. And here's what God does. He's going to humble you because you let pride take over and when we operate in pride, God sets himself against us. He says, I'm not for you, I'm against you. And we're going to deal with the pride. We're going to get it handled quickly. So we've got to operate in this humility because the beauty of it is we have different gifts. You have gifts, I have gifts, and they're different. And that's the beauty of unity and the diversity that happens in, in how life comes together and how the body comes together, that we're, we're one body, but there's many parts. I mean, the, there are functions of our, that, of our local body in the church, and there are functions, even our physical body, that we have to have and that we have to have everything working in its place. And so we're called to this faithful cooperation within the body. Because we can't say, I, I'm, not, I'm not part of that body, I'm a part of this body. See, it'd be like the creek going, I'm not a part of anything else they're doing. We're our own thing. We've got to realize we are one body. We're a local expression, but we're part of the body of Christ. And we're called to function 
in that regard. And we're called to cooperate with one another. We're called to celebrate those gifts. I love that, that God says that, that we are given gifts according to the measure of faith. That's verse 3. And that it's according to the grace given in verse 6. So there is faith and grace at work in our gifts. And that faith and grace has to be at work in our unity. In Ephesians 4, uh, Paul talks about this with the Ephesian church. He lists off some more gifts when he talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And ultimately, he is saying that there is one body, but everything is given for unity, and it's for the purpose of building up the saints, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. There's more gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, but all of these gifts are handled in faith and in grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is, is beautiful because it talks about us being God's workmanship, his craftsmanship, and that by grace we are saved. And it's a gift that we're given, not so that any one of us can boast. None of us has the ability to say, I found favor with God. I got God to love me. I bring a great amount of value to God's team. God saved me because he needed me on his team. You were not God's first round draft pick. It's a gift that is given through grace by faith. And then the gifts, the grace gifts that were given are given by grace through faith. And we bring those together to equip the body to do what we're called to do, and that's build the kingdom. And we have different gifts. Let, 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 me, let me go through these gifts that Paul lists here. He says, the first one is prophecy. What is prophecy? It's an it's a inspired utterance. Um, if you grew up in a Pentecostal church, a lot of times this would be speaking in tongues, and uh, it's not always the case. Prophecy is not always speaking in another language with a translation. Some of you grew up with that. Some of y'all right now are going, I don't know what you're talking about. That's all right. It's okay. It's a spiritual gift. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and the first part of 15. There's order that happens in that. But prophecy is clearly declaring the word of God. It's being able to proclaim God's message for the purposes of building the kingdom, encouraging others, and consoling others. I pray every week that as, as I'm preparing this teaching, that, that God is speaking prophetically through me to you. And honestly, in the, in the lobby afterwards, you're like, man, God was speaking directly to me. And that's not Matt. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit connecting the prophetic that's going on, the prophecy that's going on. Because all I'm preaching is the word of God. That's all I got to preach. And what he's doing is he's using that prophetically in your life to say, here's where you're at. Let's do something. And so we encourage and we build up. The second one is service. This kind of started in Acts 6 when the the seven were appointed, um, the deacons, so that they could serve the tables and it, it freed up. So you started to see structure and function within the church body so the apostles could devote themselves to prayer and the teaching of the word. And then there were those that came in as acts of service to be able to help. And, and service is just a ministry of helping. And, and I'm so grateful that we have so many gifted here 
that have a ministry and a gifting of service. Let, let me caution you, if this is your gift, don't take charge. Just help. Because service and leadership are different gifts. And I've seen incredible train wrecks in churches where someone has the gift of service and they start, I want to serve, and then they want to take over. And they don't have the gift of leadership and it becomes an, an incredible mess. If your gift is service, just help. And I'm so grateful for that. Some of you have the gift. Some, I mean, I, I am just blown away by how many uh, small group leaders we have in our church community. I, I love how many small groups we have. And you have the act of service and the gift of service because you're willing to serve the community by bringing people into connection. We have people that are, that are serving in our kids' ministry. Some of y'all don't think you're called to serve in preschool. By the way, we, we do, so clear up this rumor, we do hire preschool workers. Because I don't believe in the principle of saying, hey, parents, you got preschool kids, sign up, you're on the rotation. Because the gift of service may not be your gift, and I don't want you in there with our kids. You might, you're a great parent, but you don't need to be in that room. Some of you do. The third one, the gift of teaching. He says, it's instruction. There's a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching is the proclamation of the word of God. The best way to describe the the difference here is the way Jesus operated. That he was publicly proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is here. There's a prophecy that everything that you've heard about that's coming, I am he. I am here. Your king is here. And he was proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. And then he spent time instructing his disciples what it means to follow him. We've got to have both. There's got to, you know, I hear people say, well, I'm, I'm more into preaching or I'm more into teaching. We've got to have both. Those gifts have to come together in unity and cooperation to build up the body. Otherwise, we have people running around proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, but no idea how to instruct people in, in righteousness and how to grow disciples. Or if we have all teaching, we're just becoming strong disciples, but we're never reaching a soul. And we're called to work in tandem with those. The fourth one is exhortation. This is encouragement and comfort. And you, those of you who have this gift, you are a godsend to me. Because I hit those times where I've just, I've just, I just need, I'm just like, God, I just need, give me something, man. I need some encouragement. And I thank you for those who have that gift and are willing to encourage in that. Let me, let me give you a caution. Be careful not to get too bossy with it. Like, I'm going to encourage you, and you're going to listen. Now, you're feeling down, but I'm going to lift you up. So get up. Or, or I've, seen, I've seen this one play out. You know, I, I, I just need some help. I just need some encouragement. And, and encouragers, like, man, just, yeah, you're righteous with God. That God loves you. You know, despite your failures, you know, let's get up. Let's get a process in place. Let's do this. I'm going to walk with you. We're going to do this. And so I walk away encouraged, and I come back, and I'm going, my life still stinks. And they go, you didn't do a thing I told you to do. You go do what I told you to do, and then you come back, and I'll encourage you. Just be careful with that. You know, rightly handle that gift. The fifth one is giving. Um, Giving is a gift. Now, we are all called as disciples, as followers of Christ, we are all called to be faithful and obedient in our giving 
and say, God, here, I'm giving myself as a living sacrifice to you, and God calls us to obedience financially. That's every Christ follower. They were called to obedience in that level. But then there's a gift that he gives that, that there are people who, they, their spiritual gift is giving. And I, I got to tell you, it, it's incredible how God brings people like this. And, and we've got to be careful because it, it's easy to sit around people that have the gift of giving and you start trying to manipulate how to get them to give to you. Don't do that. And if you have the gift of giving... The charge to you is to keep your eyes open and your ears open for opportunities to engage. And when you do, be generous. And as you give, do it with pure motives. The giving isn't so you get. The giving is to build the kingdom. And what you get is you get to help be a part of building the kingdom. You get to be a conduit of the resources of God. And so in our giving, let's do that in generosity. The sixth one, here's the other one to service, leading. There are people that have the gift of leadership. There are many who think they do who don't. I'm just, remember sober judgment here, I'm just being honest. When you lead, do not manipulate. Leaders aren't manipulators lead with dignity, and what I've learned about great leaders is they're great followers. Heather and I launched the church, and I'm, I'm completely 100% invested in the church, and God's called me to lead the church, but I also submit myself to other people. When we launched the church, we set up a board of elders, and we set up a, a corporate board of directors, and I submit to them, and they submit to me. We're, we're equals on that, so I don't make decisions in a vacuum. I don't just get to a point of going, this is what I want to do with the church and this is what we're going to do. I've created that level of accountability because we've got to follow. And these are men that, that, that lead me and can lead me and will lead me and that are honest with me. And leaders, let, let me also encourage you that as Christ followers, as disciples, we follow Jesus and he's called us and given us a gift to lead. If you're a leader... But do it by leading. We don't like, see, leaders struggle with the whole, um, the sheep mentality. Because we would rather be cowboys and drive cattle. And let me tell you something as a leader. You have to lead, not drive. If you've got kids, if you're married, God's called you to be a leader. He's called you to be a leader in your relationship. He's called you to be a leader to your kids. Lead them, don't drive them. Some of you are, have positions of authority and you, you manage people, you manage organizations. Lead your organization, don't drive it. Lead from the front. And lead with dignity and lead with integrity. Be the leader God's called you to be and created you to be. And he's gifted you to be. Hone that gift. Sharpen it. Put your dedication into growing as a leader. I spend just as much time reading organizational leadership books as I do spiritual books. Sometimes more. Because I feel like I'm not a good leader and so I want to keep growing. I wish I could just push the button and leadership just happens. 
That'd be awesome. It doesn't happen that way. None of our gifts happen that way. Start to grow in that. Develop that. This, the last one is mercy. And, and mercy is acts of service and acts of mercy. And, and Paul's given instructions to do this cheerfully. Keep a smile on your face when you're serving people, when you're in desperate situations. I see this played out every month at Agape when we go and we serve the homeless. That, that people who have the gift of mercy and helps thrive in that environment. I walk out going, God, help me not to get irritated or depressed. Depressed in that, what can I do? There's got to be something more we can do to help every person in Fort Worth. There's got to be something we can do to help every person in Texas, every person in America, every person in the world. There's got to be something. And I start getting depressed because I feel the weight of that. Or I start getting irritated and going, why don't they just do this? Okay, that's not the way to exercise the gift of mercy. Man, it's just getting in, rolling up your sleeves and getting dirty, getting in the mess with people and saying, you know what, I'm here because Jesus loves you and I love you. And, and regardless of how messy this is, we're walking through it. And you don't come home depressed, you come home energized. Like I get to talk to people whose gifts is acts of mercy and, and, and they're just energized. Like, yeah, we went in. And I'm like, praise God, you've got that gift. But you've got to be careful. You see, all of these gifts that we have, because a lot of us start thinking, well, what's my gift? And if you don't know, you start thinking, what gift do I want? Kind of like picking out the one you want. My brother used to, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, it's, I don't know, maybe his gift was picking out the gift. Because when I was, we were kids and we would behave well enough to get a toy at the toys and at the department store, you know, if we could keep our attitudes in check and not, you know, not cross that line with mom where she would take us to the toy section and we get to pick out a toy, certain budget, pick out a toy, he always picked a better gift than I did. I'm like, man, why does he get, why does he always, because halfway home, I'm wanting to trade him. We, we, I shared that baggage last week. But if you don't know what your gift is, you start thinking, that's the gift I want. Let me help you with something. The gifts are not an, an end in themselves. The gifts are a means to the end, which is building up the church. And if you don't know what your gift is, let me encourage you to start pursuing that. There are spiritual gift tests you can take online. A lot of them are free. But let, let, let me challenge you in this and, and, and help you in this. Because if you come and say, well, my gift is teaching, so what are you going to do to give me a teaching opportunity? I'm going to say, go sit down and practice. You've got to put some dedication into honing that gift. If you don't know your gift, get around other Christ followers so that they can start helping. There's nothing wrong with getting other people to help recognize gifts in you. Sometimes I'm so stupid, I can't see it. This church almost didn't exist because I'm like, there's no way I could do that. There's no way God would call me to lead a church. There's no way this could happen. And a friend of mine had to get brutally honest with me. He was exhorting pretty good. He was being brutally honest, but he's like, this is what God is doing in your life. 
So get around people that can help you in that. Get in a group. Start having conversations about it. Start asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is the gift you've given me so that I can put it into action to build up the body? Start exploring that. And then start praying for the anointing on that, that as you put the, the dedication in that, ask the Holy Spirit, say, okay, I've, uh, here's my gift. Now you bring your anointing so there's power. And so you keep working and operating so that anointing stays on you. And so your gift is being utilized to its fullest and lives are being saved. That's the ultimate goal. It's not so we can feel good about ourselves and go, look at how many gifts we got. We're not a bank. And we're a storehouse. And that means get the grain out. Get the gifts out. Get it into operation. So you have a gift. I have a gift. We have a gift. Let's start using it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give good gifts. You are perfect and give perfect gifts. But God, we don't seek those gifts. We seek you. And as we press into you, you start to reveal areas in our life. You start to reveal who we are. You start to give us that sober judgment to see who we are in you and who we are in the world and how that interacts with each other. So help us, God, this morning to be honest with you and honest with ourselves. Because we can't hide anything from you. You see the depths of our heart. So let us, help us, give us courage to be honest before you this morning. God, maybe the, the first gift we all need in this room is the gift of salvation, the gift of life. That came through Jesus on a cross. he gave his body and he shed his blood that there was payment for the remission of our sin and that as he walked victoriously from the tomb on the third day there is power for us to live a new life there is power for us to live a life as your sons and daughters and as the righteousness of God there is power that we have change the world through what you changed in us. Begin to reveal the gifts that you've given us as a body so that we can put in the dedication required to develop the gifts you've given us so that we see your kingdom grow. We see you glorified. We see lives changed. We see people set free. We see people's chains fall off. We see people healed. We see people that are completely transformed because of what you're doing in us and through us to the world around us for your glory. God, help us. Give us the courage to be the people you've called us to be, created us to be, and have gifted us to be. We love you and we praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.